pause, ponder, and project. Why not grab a coffee or a Diet Coke or a Christian drink of your choice and head for your favorite recliner. safety of our listeners and everyone else on the road, please keep your hand on the steering wheel and we'll travel this journey together. And by the way, if you haven't given this podcast a five-star rating, now's a great time. God bless you. Salinda Nickel and her miracle story. I started off thinking I'm going to call this the personal pandemic. I don't know that we'll actually keep that particular name because I keep on coming back to that, the miracle, the miracle story. I remember Salinda being in different meetings where we prayed for you and it was kind of like a book of Acts experience because we were praying and we were interceding but we weren't sure that you were going to come out of that coma. Uh, and if you did come out, we weren't sure exactly what was going to be your life from that point forward. So I feel a little bit like, you know, that prayer meeting that was held in the book of Acts where the, you know, the answer was knocking at the door and people were inside and they're interceding, like, raise him up, loose him, let him go. And all the time, the, you know, the answer is knocking at their door. And uh, it's just such a miracle to me. I, I, it's so overwhelming. I can't get over it. I know that I serve the God of miracles, that he is the way maker, that he is the the promise keeper. And there are like 8,000 promises in God's word for us. And we can take him at his word and, and trust him. And it's just so overwhelming to know what you've gone through and to be looking at you right now on, on this video. And I know that those out there in uh, virtual land that they can't see you right now. But I I know that I'm looking at a miracle right now. Right. And I just feel like you have a word, uh, some of the spiritual experiences that you went through. I know some of them maybe make us smile. Maybe we'll laugh a little bit along the way. And maybe we'll cry a little bit along the way. But I can guarantee you when this podcast is over, we will know that God is the great I am. He's the everlasting father and all of the things that we use to describe him, that he is our healer and he is our sustainer. So why don't you uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, the other side of the story, some of the other stories uh, that go along as well. And uh, I'm not sure exactly where we're at with all the questions that we had uh, prepared and if I've missed a question, why don't you go ahead and bring up the question as if you're the one doing the interviewing and just move forward with that, because 
Uh, we're on a roll here that the Lord is moving and talking to us. And thank you for being so open to that. Well, thank you again for allowing me to be here today. So a lot of, I think the question that I get asked the most when people, you know, talk to me about this experience is what were you doing? Where were you when you were away? Could you hear people talking to you? And we just have a natural innate curiosity about what, where people are, you know, when they're in the middle of traumas, brain traumas and that kind of thing. And I can tell you that I had a very active life while I was away and I was taking care of missionary kids the whole time. Um, So to set the stage for you, I was in Western Africa and I was in a country that is actually, I had been to um, the like weeks before having all of this happen. And I was under house arrest during this time away. That's where I was mentally. I was under house arrest and I was taking care of missionary kids that were actually in access challenge nations. And so they were with me. And so we were having, um, you know, just a great time. We were having like a school, almost like a school of missions type thing there. So we were having classes and singing songs and learning verses and then just services. And, um, you know, there was an MK that was brought to me that is actually a daughter of one of our MKs. And she was brought to me in the middle of it. And they said, we really need you to help her. These guys in the white robes, people say, who are the people that bring them? But it was always these guys in white robes. And they said, we need you to take care of her for a while. So I just started talking to her and, you know, ministering to her and just let her know that if you're chosen of God, this is not just a choosing of yours. This is the calling of God, not just on your mom, dad, but God chooses families, which is what I always try to emphasize when dealing with MKs, because it doesn't, it's not just God calling parents. He looks at family units and he chooses all of them. So it's not just, you know, the parents work. And so, you know, she came really troubled, but there was a time where I, it was a transition in her and then she kind of normalized and the guys that brought her came back and they said, okay, thank you so much. She's going to go back to her nation now. And, um, on the real side of things, what was happening in real life, is that she was actually getting, um, she was going to a country while I was in, you know, in my hospital in, in Arkansas, she was going to a country in Western Africa that was an undercover nation. And when she got there, she really was having a struggle and her parents so much so that her mom said, you know, I know that Celinda is having her own struggles of her own and she's an ICU we've been praying for, but I just wish she could talk to her. I wish she could help her because she would know what she's going through and how to minister to her. And so when I came, you know, later on when I came through, this is when the stories came together and I was talking to the parents and she said that there became a time where a peace came over her and she started saying, you know what, mom, it's going to be okay. God has called us as a family unit and we're going to we're going to work together as a unit. And from that time on, it was like a new, she caught the vision of what they were doing in that country. And she was a strength to the parents even. And so I love, you know, I think it was John on the Isle of Patmos. I was like, whether I be in the spirit or out of the spirit, I do not know. And so I think some of this was like just interceding on one side and the other. And so it was great to see how the Lord, um, worked it out. There was a couple other people that these guys in the white um, outfits or robes came to me and they're like, you're going to take care of this one today. And one is a girl that has actually already passed away and know her family. 
and um, I took her to Disney World, and um, she had on a Cinderella dress, and I took her to the park all day, and we just hung out, and then at the end of the day, they came and said, thank you, you can go back now to helping and another girl I took her to Justice which I don't even know if that store is still open it's like a chain store for tweens and I took her to Starbucks to get some drinks and so I did call her grandparents after I came you know a, a time period afterwards and they were just crying and they said they just you don't know what that meant to them to know those are her two favorite stores and just to know that the Lord is just saying you know what she's okay she's you know, she she is loved and cherished and being taken care of. So I think it was just some of those things that were just kind of like you can't really explain them. Their other dimension, it was a third dimension. Um, so I guess everybody also is saying, well, then what happened to all these MKs that you were taking care of? So in um, in the story that was going on in my mind, I was taking care of them. They told me that they were going to come. Um, I guess it was like an undercover team, like a SEAL team was going to come and they were going to get us out of this home that we were in. We were in a missionary's home that actually um, is in Western Africa. And so they said, the lights are going to go out. They're going to come in and get you. And when the lights come back on, you'll be in safety. And so that explains to you why, you know, the lights did go out. They got us. And then when the lights came on, I was in the, in the hospital room. So when I finally could talk the first couple of days, I cried because no one could understand. I was asking how the missionary kids were, like, did they make it out? And so they were going through every single person that I knew trying to tell me this person is okay. This person is okay. And so they knew that I was talking about missionary kids and they were like, every missionary kid is okay. They're trying to go through the list of all of them. So anyway, it was, it was, um, very interesting. And one of the girls that was helping Oh, one of the girls that was helping me take care of the missionary kids that were in Western Africa. The Lord has called her since then to work in undercover nations, access challenge nations. And so I look at that and I'm like, well, you already have had your first assignment. You know, little did you know, you're already working with undercover, these MKs. But I just, I look at it and I think the calling of the Lord is, is so you know, there's no constraints for the calling of the Lord. So, um, one of the interesting things that happened was that when I came to my house, I had to have intensive physical therapy. And so, um, we're moving on now to what happened in, in real, in real world. So I had to have intensive physical therapy. So the gentleman that came to my house, he walked in and he was looking around and he said, Oh, okay. And now you have to understand walking into my living room, I have a lot of gloves. I have things from different countries. I don't look like I'm a garage sale per se in my house. I don't want you to like feel bad for me or pray for me, but you can just tell it's not the typical cookie cutter house. And so he's like, Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's it. And I said, Oh, I said, now my house does look a little bit different. And I start speaking slowly to him. Like, I don't know why, but I said, it's because I'm an M K and I'm like, that means, and he goes, I know what that means. I am one. And I was like, what? 
and come to find out he was a missionary kid that actually served in Korea and he knew Brother Bernard. They were missionary kids together during the same time period as parents and he Brother and Sister Bernard's parents. And I thought, what a God we serve to immediately give me that piece of this kid, this guy, he's not a kid, but here he is an MK. He understands me. He, and it took my fear, which is again, like at a 10 at that moment and brought it down to a two. I just immediately, I felt like everything's going to be okay. He gets my lifestyle. He gets, you know, all of this. So I just want to tell you the Lord, the Lord has God encounters waiting for you. Just he, he cannot wait to bring the right people into your life. And so you can say, I don't have any connections. I don't know this person or that the Lord does. And that's a great thing. You're in his hands and he's going to bring the right people to you at the right time. So, um, my, you know, all of this continued on. I went through my physical therapy and then I had to start going through follow-up appointments and I went back in and had another surgery on my brain. And I really feel like the Lord allowed this for me to be actually to be a witness to some of the nurses because I was able to thank them in person for what they've done. And one of the gentlemen, when I I kind of came back through from the from the surgery in November, I looked at him and I said, "I know you. You were my nurse before." And he said, "How do you know that? You were you were asleep the whole time." And I said, "Because I saw you." And he said, "You couldn't have seen me." And I said, "I saw you." And I said, "Not only that, but I saw your angel that was there, and he was helping." you. And he said, what? And I said, you were looking at me and you were standing away from me. And there was a huge angel and he was pointing to my legs and he was guiding you. And that rugged ICU nurse started crying. And he said, you don't understand. He said, I was watching you. And he said, it was during my shift. I kept feeling for some reason that you had blood clots. And he said, I didn't know where they could be or what it was, but I could not get away from this feeling that you had these blood clots. And so he said, I stepped away from you. And he said, I knew to go get this one other man that they call the vein whisperer and that he found eight blood clots. Some of them were life threatening. And I said, that wasn't you. That wasn't your knowledge. That was the Lord speaking to you through an angel. And, um, so I know where he lives now. His, I know where his parents live in cabin. And so every time I drive by there, I'm like, God, bring him to the truth, you know, because he was so stirred by the fact that he was not just working it was the Lord working through him. So that was that was pretty powerful. So you said how many clots? Eight blood clots. Oh my. Eight blood so clots. That was the Lord, you know, working working behind the scenes, bringing these things to light that were, they didn't even, the medical team didn't know that it was an issue, but the Lord knew that it was an issue. So I want to tell you again, if you have a loved one that's in the hospital or going through something and you feel like, you know what, I can't be there to instruct them right now. I can't be in their face telling them you need to look for this. You don't have to worry about it. The Lord is the one that guides and leads and he will get the message across and so we can put our trust and our hope in him. Um, one of the doctors that I had, who is the one that was the most emotional when I quote unquote woke up, she um, was actually a nurse pra- practitioner and she was in charge of keeping me alive daily, like coming in and adjusting my my medications and things. And she said, on the way to work, when she'd be driving, there was a voice that was speaking to her. She said, you know, you, you church people, when you say your voices, she said, there was a voice that would say to her, you have to keep her alive today. 
and she would go into my room and she said, you're the one that told me I have to keep her alive today. So you better tell me what to do to keep her alive. And she would kind of walk around and march around. And she felt like the Lord was giving her orders as to what to do and what levels. And, and so, you know, I feel like the Lord is in control of every single thing that you do. He has the numbers of your, of your, you know, the numbers of hair in our head, not only are they counted, but each one has a number. And so you never have to worry about that. The Lord is sustaining you and he cares about every detail. Um, I think that people many times worry about details and they worry about, I shouldn't ask the Lord for this or that, or that, but you know, the most unanswered prayer is the most unasked prayer. And so we need to ask the Lord for all things because he knows the details and he's concerned about the details in our life. So that is, that is pretty powerful. Um, one of the things, and, and, uh, this is probably one of the greatest things that spoke to me is that my regular doctor, I, I have a doctor that I see maybe once a year. Um, and you know, you go in and get your checkup and, and that kind of thing, but we, we kind of have a, it's not really a joke, but we are just like, you know, he just gives you like another antibiotic as a good doctor would and just gets you out the door. So, um, we, I had to follow up with him after being released from the hospital and being done with our physical therapists and home nurses. And so when I walked into his office, I had my walker and, um, the first nurse that saw me, she said, Oh, she said, here, here is our Lazarus that we've been praying for here. Here you are. And I was like, eh, you know, I didn't know when the world. And she said, here, you sit down here and we'll bring the paperwork to you. And so she said, every day we got the reports of what was going on with you in the hospital. And we prayed as a team for you. And there was a whole group of nurses that were praying over you. And she said, just to see you coming into our doctor's office, this is a reminder of what God did. And you are our modern day Lazarus and uh, went in to see the doctor. And he himself said, I would get your reports and read them daily and see what was happening. And, you know, I just thought this is what the Lord does. Do you remember when Joshua was called and, and he was chosen of God to lead after Moses and how daunting of a task that must be. But then when he had to get ready to walk into, to step his foot that first time into the river Jordan, the Lord says that he, they had to put their foot in, but that the Lord was giving him favor at that moment with the people. And so I feel like sometimes we're we're going through these situations, but the Lord is setting us up for a win and he's giving us favor with the people around us. And so I kept seeing over and over, I went to another doctor and they said the same thing. I went to the dentist and they all knew, and they had all been praying for me. So the Lord had a community surrounding me and praying for me that I didn't even know. And so that's what happens when we follow after God, that he has a support system around us that we don't even know about. Um, so I'm very, I'm very, very thankful for that. Those stories are absolutely amazing. Uh, and they are part of your life experiences. And I really appreciate like all of the things that you shared about the therapists and the doctors and the nurses and all of these things, because uh, I sometimes think or hear that ministry is only what's done from the pulpit. Uh, but when you look at the scripture and you try to define what is secular and what is spiritual, 
there really isn't a difference according to Scripture. And when you look into the Jewish history and the Old Testament and the Hebrew, you don't see a, a difference there. It's whatever we do in word or deed. We do it all in the name of Jesus. I was also intrigued because during the time that you're going through this, this process that seems to expand like two and a half months, that your ministry among the missionary kids was continuing on. And it just reminds me of what I've known about you, Salinda, throughout the years. Your heart, your head, your hands are totally encompassed in whatever you're doing uh, for the Lord. Uh, I don't know that I've ever met anyone that I would consider to be more all in than you are. And that whatever you do, you do it with such passion and compassion. And the word compassion actually brings me to where I want to kind of end up today, because I know that you're not with the Missionary Kids Association anymore. Uh, we tried to persuade you to go ahead and stay, and you knew when the timing was right for you to move on. And we've just got to trust that you made the right decision. And I think I mentioned to you before that we'll understand it better when we're looking back rather than looking forward. And so I'm really excited about what the Lord is doing uh, in your life currently. And I see that same passion, your heart, uh, your head, your hands, doing the ministry that you are currently doing. And I, I really think that especially during the time of the pandemic and uh, things that are happening around the world, there was a, an email from you this morning or the email from uh, your office today telling us of another thing that's happened in our world. So I would really like for you to kind of walk us through that in closing what you're currently doing and give us a little bit of a picture about that and even let us know how we can reach out and contact you, uh, not only based on what you're doing, but there are probably people out there that need to reach out and be encouraged by you. I know you've encouraged me over and over and over again throughout uh, my lifetime and my involvement with missions. And I am forever grateful for your personal investment in both Melinda and Kendra. And I believe that they are where they are today. And you've been part of that community. Uh, no one raises a child really alone. It's done by a village of people. And you are like one of the chiefs of the village. So thank you so much for that. Just tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. And uh, then we'll bring this podcast to a close. Well, it's been an honor to have worked with every MK. And I, I feel like what I do now is actually I do continue to love MKs and, and help them, but just not in an official capacity per se. Um, the Lord was moving me on and I was very resistant to that move all during before uh, the aneurysm and, and all of that. And he had been speaking to me, speaking to the leadership that I, you know, submit my life to. And um, it, it happened that, um, um, the Lord actually spoke to me in a, 
I guess I'm, I don't want to say a vision like I'm a weirdo, but just like the Lord brought a parade of people in front of me in my in my closet. It was on February 14th, and um, I'll never forget the people that came through and they looked at me and they said, "Will you help me?" And some of them were hungry, some of them had just gone through earthquakes, mudslides, just different situations. I could just tell by their appearance, and I would say to them, "I don't know who you are, but I'll help you." I mean, like these people were drastic, and so you know, just then the Lord opening up the doors to come alongside and help with Compassion Services International. And that is what I do right now. And we work with our missionaries hand in hand, and we are the nonprofit that supports them. So the missionaries provide for their spiritual needs and everything that sustains that. And we come alongside them on the other side and we bring hope and help. And the way that we bring help is through humanitarian relief and disaster relief, medical missions and education. And so we're strengthening the hands of our missionaries. And so we we provide a holistic approach to bringing healing and hope to that church um, across the seas. And so when you're talking about the fact that right now is a vital time, you know, we've gone through this pandemic in America and a lot of us have had, you know, strength or help from our jobs or from the government and we've come alongside each other. But imagine being in a nation where on a good day, you only make $2 a day. And so that's what we're dealing with. This is not just, you know, people, this is the body of Christ in these countries. And so we're coming alongside helping strengthen them through food distribution and medication um, one of the nations, it's actually an undercover nation, the, our representative there felt to take a lady to a doctor and she was actually at stroke level and had she not gone to the doctor and had medication that day, she would not have lived. And she was one of the pillars of the church. And then just story after story of people standing up in their streets, waving a flag that they do not have food for that day and being able to play just a tiny part in providing food. And you know what? We're called to be the hands and feet of Christ, making a difference for one day, it makes that day better for someone else. And so, um, the need is overwhelming, but we serve such a great God and there is absolutely nothing, nothing too hard for him. And so, um, if you're a person listening to this and saying, well, that sounds great, but I don't even know about you or how to help. I say, thank you for saying that because we're on social media and on Facebook, we're compassion services international. Um, and on Instagram or compassion underscore services. And we, you know, we need CSI insiders and an insider is someone that spreads the news here in America. And then we have CSI responders and responders leaves our borders and goes in response to a need, whether that be disaster relief or medical missions or educationally or humanitarian. And so a lot of our trips right now are on delay because of the borders being closed in a lot of nations, but it's going to be up and running. And we're making a worldwide difference, but it's only going to happen because of you. This is not just, a, you know, the CSI board. This is not just our president um, that's going to be mobilized. We all have to be mobilized to make it different. And I think it, it really speaks to the international church. You know, Brother Poitras, you and I have been involved for years through global missions, but I feel like I kept hearing over and over, I'm not called to be a missionary. I'm not called to be an aimer, but you are called 
called to be about the body of Christ and you are called to do your job. And so you can get involved financially. You can get in by supporting it monthly. You can get involved by going on a humanitarian trip. You can be involved by, if you are in the medical field, going over and, you know, giving your skills to someone else. And so I feel like it gives, it widens the door of entry point for people getting involved in, in world missions. And we're not, there's no stamp of a perfect person that, that you're called to go. We all have that stamp on our forehead that says go. Now, a lot of us ignore it and we think it's written with invisible ink. But every time I see another body, a person in Christ, I know that they're called to go. And so our goal might look different individually, but we are all called to go in one form or fashion. So I'm excited because we get to do this and we get to help others for Christ. Um, it was a journey for me and a part of the journey you heard today to get my eyes to be switched off of those and my heart was stamped you know I bled if you put M in my phone the letter K came up naturally but the Lord was changing the letters in my phone to say CSI and so that was a gradual process and it's a process because the body of Christ needs us we're not in this alone we're in this together and so it's a way that we can strengthen the body of Christ and to be a witness across the world so, my dear listeners, you've heard it from Celinda Nichol, my very, very good friend, and uh, she mentioned the word going. I know that we're not all called to be global missionaries, to go full-time overseas for the rest of our lives, but the Lord has called us to be a global Christian, and we can become and be a global Christian by giving, by going, by praying, or any combination of those things. And one of the modern terms for a global Christian is the word goer. So I challenge you, go. Either go in person, go in prayer, go in purse. And I think it would be remiss of me not to close by saying, if you are interested in giving to some of the needs around our world, as you look at our world and the needs for compassion, there are different groups out there that are doing a great job. But if you are apostolic and you want to invest in humanitarian needs around the world, I encourage you to get in touch with Compassion Services International because they are the go-to group. They're doing a tremendous job. Uh, recently, Celinda, I learned that the attention span for adults, seven or eight seconds, so about one second uh, more than a goldfish. So I really wonder through a podcast you know, how many times the, the people are coming and going. But uh, we ran a, a set of videos recently from short-term missions where I work. And we also checked to see how many people, in a one-minute video, how many people actually stay all the way to the end of the video. So I'm not sure exactly how many videos Ashton and the others that work with us in the office actually came up with. And some of it was, you know, praying for Ramadan, praying for the Access Challenge Nations, which I believe is the next frontier that the Lord wants us to be involved with globally, and that the Lord is already setting the stage for a mighty revival in some of these access challenge nations where we're going to have to use new methods to accomplish the work that needs to be done. It's not going to be done in a traditional way. So I just see you as a pace setter, a visionary that's providing a service and a ministry to global missions, to the UPCI, to the apostolic movement and beyond that's going to enable us to reach into some of these 
access challenge nations because I don't believe there's any such thing as a closed door nation. You just have to find the right means to get into the country. Going back to the little videos that I was sharing with you, the only video that actually people looked at all the way through uh, and pretty well dropped at 55 seconds out of a one-minute video was the video from Home International that we did with Amber Corey, who is the director there. And it just seems that because of the humanitarian ministry that was being described there, that it really kept people right down to the final seconds. So Compassion Services International, on the Poitras Ponderings podcast, we say that we pause, we ponder, and we project. So in closing today, we have paused. We've talked to you about what's going on in Salinda's life currently, what the Lord has done uh, with this miracle that I'm looking at right now. We have pondered. She's told us a little bit about how that we can be involved in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, and also through Compassion Services International. Now, my dear friends, it's time for you to go ahead and project. So don't be ashamed of picking up that uh, phone or whatever and checking out Compassion Services International and let it affect your pocketbook. Let it affect your prayers Uh, You may feel like that you don't have a lot of financial resources right now because of the pandemic. Maybe you're going through some health issues. Maybe you're going through some circumstances in this season of your life, and you feel like that you are in four seasons of winter. I don't want to minimize that, but I do want to suggest that one of the ways that the Lord could minister through you is to get your eyes off of your current situation. Lift up your eyes and look unto the fields. They're white all ready to harvest. There are people in need. So one way that the Lord can minister to you is to minister through you. And if every one of us, if we would just do a little, the Lord is going to accomplish a whole lot. The Poitras Ponderings Podcast. And our guest, Celinda Nickel, thank you for being with us today. We appreciate appreciate you so much, and we are praying for you as you continue to do a work for the Lord. And special greetings and love to John and to your two girls, because they allow you to be involved in all of these kingdom endeavors, and you are a model family in the apostolic movement. Poitras Ponderings Podcast where we pause, we ponder, and we project. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Portrait Ponderings Podcast. Please join us again next week for another exciting and informative episode. Thank you for listening.